On this edition of the Cubs Recap Podcast, Gordon Wittenmeyer and I talk about the state of the ball club, manager David Ross, who's getting heavily criticized by the fan base on social media. And we also talk a bit about the state of the bullpen. Welcome in to the Cubs Recap Podcast, the presentation of our YouTube channel here, The Recap, as well as available in audio-only format wherever you get your podcast with my partner, Gordon Wittenmeyer, at Cub on Twitter. I'm David Kaplan, at the Catman on Twitter and Instagram. Okay, Gordon, let's talk some Cubs baseball because it must have been four weeks ago I was singing I Love L.A. and my team is rolling. They've hit a little bit of a speed bump as of late. I am not happy with manager David Ross's lineup construction, uh, especially unhappy with his use of Michael Fulmer in leverage situations. Wait, wait, wait. wait. You're, essentially, you're upset with the fact that he uses him at all. Because yeah, he's got like a seven-something ERA. I mean, it doesn't matter well, when he uses him. If, the, if they're down five to one in the ninth, all right, let him pitch. If it's well, then why do you have four to why four in the seventh against Houston? Not so much. I, I, that that one of all the things that you that we might kind of agree on that we look sideways at with some of Rossi's decisions, that ain't one of them. Get him off the roster, then. That that how's he supposed to use that guy? The management handed him to him, and that's where we'll disagree. When he scuffles to the degree he has scuffled, which is from day four, one, four, you from battle day back and one. You battle back from 4 nothing down. Big three-run home run from Christopher Morrell. We'll get to him. Why the hell it took five and a half weeks to get him here, I don't know. And 4-4 at Houston, let's hand the ball to a guy who I can promise you isn't going to get it done. Well, look, who knows if that's a message to management. But this has been ongoing since the start of the season. And if this guy can't get it done... There's no place for him on the roster. They need to be able to use the arms they have out there. They can't really, even with the size of bullpens these days, you can't afford to have a guy out there that you simply can't use. And it wasn't it wasn't a hold situation because there wasn't a lead. It wasn't a save situation. It was just get me to the next inning, and I can start to use some of these guys. I'm going to close the game down. Can't with. do that. Right. That's the problem. That's not the manager's fault. He needs to be able to use that guy there. And if he can't, Jed, you got to get rid of him. That I would have used, whether it was Nick Birdie, Jeremiah Estrada, or if heaven forbid you were down in Houston, I know Fulmer can't get it done. I don't know that the other ones can't. Well, then, then, then you just simply don't use him. Then you let him die on the vine on the roster there and, and, and uh, send a message to your management that way. But uh, his hands are tied on that one in, in my mind. I mean, either you have some faith in the guy that he's eventually going to perform like he has at times in the past, or you get rid of him. And then the only way you find out is by using him. And if you've already think you've got it figured out, then he should already be gone. So let's talk about lineup construction. Yesterday, there are people upset that Morrell was in left field. I had no problem with it if he's going to be on the roster. He's going to play somewhere. He's got to catch that ball in the first inning. That ball cannot be missed as dramatically as he missed it and it ended up costing them in the inning four runs. 
Yeah, you alluded to what took five weeks to get this guy on the roster. If this guy is going to be on your roster, he has to play multiple positions, and he has to play them well enough to justify it to have his bat in there because it doesn't do any good if he's driving in a run and giving up two. So that's what we saw on that. I agree with you. He has to be able to play that position sometimes, once, also third, also second, and, and so forth. If he can't do it, then I don't know how you use him because you can't dedicate the DH spot to him. Um, he's just There's too many things that he kind of can or should be able to do for you athletically to do something like that. And then you might, if that's the case, if that's your final evaluation on this guy, that he can't do that job, then maybe, maybe he's somebody that come trade deadline time, you start thinking about packaging and deals. So if you look at the lineup and there's no Nico Horner right now, he's out with a tight hamstring. He says it will not sideline him for a long period of time. Nick Madrigal is at second. What about playing Morella second? Because Nick Madrigal can't hit. Well, then you got to play. Then you play Nick. Look, man, you're the guy that stood in front of the Mona Lisa last week and ripped it on Instagram. Yep. You, you should stand in front of Nick Madrigal and the Cubs lineup and say the same thing right now. Overrated, too small, overrated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's what it is. And when one guy goes out, albeit the leadoff guy, guy that's been one of your top performers this year, Nico Horner, I mean, he's not Albert Pujols in his prime. So, I mean, I'm not t- talking about a guy that's going to hit, you know, three, three home runs a week and drive in 10 a week or anything like that. I'm talking about a guy that just is steady and sets the tone at the top of your lineup. If you can't replace that for a week and a half, then you have no depth. Like you have no depth. And that's where they are. We kind of knew it coming into the season. Yep. It was a it was a bit of a surprise to me that they got off to the great offensive start that they did. Maybe some of that was pitch clocks because there were big innings involved, right? Uh, but But some of it also was Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger got off to this start that, we weren't sure was going to happen. We thought was possible because of his track record and his talent. But because of the last three years, we didn't know. And he got off to this great start. Does it sustain? We don't know that either. But we do know he got hurt last night, twisted that ankle. He's probably not in the lineup tonight. And, and that's another huge blow because that's a left-handed bat with some power and one of your better performers right in the middle of that lineup. So, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of frightening to think, with how sort of tepid their lineup has been for the last two weeks or so, what it might be if Bellinger's out and Horner continues to be out. And, you know, you can rip on anybody you want. Well, Morrell should be here and what the hell is Madrigal doing there? But this is, this is what they had. This is what we knew was the case. And I, I, don't, know, I don't know how you paper it over with what they have, honestly. Who do you hand the ball to if tonight, and you and I are taping this on Tuesday afternoon, and it's uh, Christian Javier against Justin Steele tonight in Houston. Let's assume that Justin Steele pitches the way he's pitched really well. And it's three to two Cubs. We go to the bottom of the ninth here at the juice box in Houston, and the Cubs are going to hand the ball to who? No, let's let's give – let's give Justice Steele even more credit. Let's make it three to nothing. So now you feel like maybe you even have more options, right? Okay. You don't have Boxberger, right? He's on the injured list. Right. You don't trust Fulmer, and he pitched last night anyway. So those are your two veterans. 
And what inning are we talking about? The ninth. The ninth. Well, Brandon Hughes. Right? What about Jeremiah Estrada? I think you might, in a case like this, pick your best matchup and then consider it all hands on deck. Have somebody warming up right away. Don't even mess with it. Pick pick who you think you're going to hand the inning to. Give it to them because that's your matchup. That's your pocket where the lineup is. That's your pocket guy. Put him out there, but have your next best option warming up for three batters in. Just call it all hands on deck. Call it closer by committee. Call it desperation. Whatever you want to call it, get that win. Close that out. All right, let me give you this scenario. You look at this team. Why is Eric Hosmer still on the roster? Uh, Well, probably as much as anything because Mervis was a question mark when you brought him up. You weren't sure what you were going to get out of him. And he's still hitting, what, 200 uh, with a bunch of strikeouts. You may be sending Mervis back. And it it costs you nothing to keep him. You're able to bring up Mervis with enough roster flexibility at the time that, that you could do it and keep Hosmer. Well, what have we said about Hosmer all along? He's super easy to cut because you're only paying him the minimum. He ain't going to cost you anything to cut. On the other side of that coin, he's not going to cost you anything to keep. And he's a good clubhouse guy. So as long as he's not clogging up the roster, and right now with some of the injuries and stuff, he's not, then keep him around. There's no reason not to. And if you and, and he is mentoring Mervis. We had Mervis on the podcast last week, and Mervis talked about how helpful that a guy like Hosmer has been, which really says a lot about his character, knowing that he's mentoring the guy that might lead to his release at some point this season. Um, so he is helping the kid. He's a good clubhouse presence. He's a great veteran. And you're not in a roster crunch situation where you have to do anything there. That's why he's still there. The, if you look down at Iowa, Morrell was, you know, itching to get up here. He's here. Mervis itching to get up here. He's here. They brought two relievers yesterday. Kyle Hendricks has got to be right around the corner because Hayden Wisniewski is back in Iowa. Is there anybody else in the system that you look and go, hmm, maybe that guy deserves a shot? Because a year ago, they went to double A and got Christopher Morrell. Right. I, I don't think there's anybody that's just screaming at you like that guy's got to come up, right? You know, you still got your Brennan Davises in the system. You had Velasquez, who has already been up, and he got sent back down. Um, you got Kevin Alcantara, who's working his way up and, and getting back to health. Um, you got PCA, who still doesn't have a ton of minor league at-bats under his belt, and he's working on his way up. So none of these guys scream, they got to be here now. And so I would just leave it the way it is. Um, you have a blend on your roster right now that's supposed to it's supposed to be something that gives you an ability to try to win this year. And we've seen glimpses of that. Look, man, I, I still don't think for, for some of the recent hiccups in particular, I don't think you can say a lot of bad things about the pitching staff. You, we've talked about maybe a couple of bullpen guys. Boxberger had his hiccups too before he went on the IL uh, in addition to Fulmer. But even Wisniewski, who just got sent down, he had a really nice run before that last outing in Minnesota, uh, which was you know, back, kind of back to – it kind of exposed some of, uh, 
some of the weaknesses that he's shown along the way in particular that he really doesn't have a lot for left-handers right now. He's got to figure some of that out. But there were a lot of good things he did too. There was some growth there. And you do have Kyle Hendricks right around the corner. So there's every reason to think that they're going to continue to pitch it at at least an adequate enough level to kind of hang in there. Nobody's running away from this division right now. It just took the Brewers a, a month to get back in front of the Pirates after the Pirates went on a two-week freefall. Uh, and uh, and the Cubs are right there. So actually everybody's right there, honestly. The Reds are even playing well right behind the Cubs. So um, no reason to panic. This isn't a team you thought was going to win a World Series anyway. You're seeing some good signs. I don't see any reason to go into the minors and just start cherry picking as many guys as you can. Let's get this guy. Let's get a look at this guy. I don't think so. Let's get Kyle Hendricks back. See what he looks like. See what that rotation can do with him. See if there's a run they can get on and then start trying to fill the gaps there. Uh, plus, he's still got, you know, Nico, you, you got to get back in there before you start, you know, worrying about how many other guys you're going to bring up and stuff like that. Yeah, they just had Miguel Amaya up here, and everything I have heard, again, we saw very limited work from him. People over there believe he is the future. Do you? Uh, Yeah, like I do in all these cases when you ask me this, I withhold judgment because he's still a prospect. He's got a lot to prove. We have no idea. He could be Adley Rutschman, but with the number of at bats that he's had, I would still withhold judgment on that. So... The main thing with him is he's got to prove he can stay healthy because he was a top 100 prospect for a couple of years there and kept getting hurt. He's, I talked to him during the last homestand, and one of the things he said about his long and arduous journey to get here, that included Tommy John surgery, uh, was that it made him better, smarter, better, mentally stronger. Now, if that pays off for a young guy, that could help him bridge some of those early uh, sort of potholes and, and, and gaps that the guys find themselves in. I mean, and we saw we saw what we thought was a lot of poise from him. He's got physical tools behind the plate. He's a good kid, seems smart. He's got a really nice bat when he gets it going. Uh, so he could be right what the answer to Carlo, uh, uh, Wilson Contreras was. He could be the answer to the guy you didn't extend. You got these short-term guys on the roster right now. If he comes back up later, begins to get his feet under him, goes into next year's camp with a chance to earn a lot of playing time, he could wind up being that long-term guy. I think there's reasons to have faith in that, but I don't think you can bank on that right now. Let's play out the year. So Vegas released today updated win totals. It was 77.5 for the Cubs. What do you think it's at now? It ought to be the same. It's gone up by a win. It's 78 and a half now. So it's essentially the same. And yeah. they're giving them they're giving them credit for the for the quick start and probably giving them credit for Bellinger performing, which was the big wild card going in. That's and my the, guess. And the White Sox, I believe we're like 84, 83, 84. Oh, it's got to be about 75 now. 70. Oh, my God. 70. Yeah. I couldn't believe yeah. it. Wow. Yeah, you want That's me to where... tell them? Yeah, why don't you tell them? Because you're over there covering 
the White Sox and the Guardians <laughs> game tonight. Uh, let's talk about David Ross because he is getting destroyed on social media by the fan base. And I said today on my radio show with Jonathan Hood at ESPN 1000, I said, look, people that are yelling, why was Christopher Morell out there last night? Ian Happ needed a day off his feet. He was the DH. Christopher Morell, if he's going to be in this lineup, as you said a little while ago, you got to make that play. Son, that ball is catchable. You got to make that play. And then we'll have your bat in the lineup. So I did not hold David responsible there. My problem with David has been some of his pitching decisions. And while I was in Europe, I was I didn't have a lot of access to the games, but I we got back to the hotel. Oh, the Cubs are on on my phone. And I actually watched some. And first and second, like in the third inning, and we're bunting. They get him to second and third, and they can't get the run home. That third inning. Third that inning. So where are you on David Ross? I think some of the criticism is fair. Some is not. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to preface this answer by, uh, by saying, I think criticizing umpires and criticizing managers are are two of the lowest hanging fruit in, in all of sports. Never mind baseball. I think it's, uh, I think it's too easy. Um, I think it's lazy for the most part. It's be, and it's lazy because it's easy. And I think people tend to do it uh, knee jerk. So I hate doing it. Um, and then one more thing to preface. This is the first year, what, 2021, 22, 23, the fourth year that, uh, that Ross has been the manager. This is the first time where he's had the kind of team and not some kind of extenuating circumstances, be it a pandemic or, or a short spring because of a labor lockout where, uh, he his managing can be evaluated fairly so we're seeing it it's only a quarter of the season in i think it's too early to start getting down or up on him but uh as far as bullpen management i don't have a lot of problems that because that's a that's a collaboration that's the geek department the front office and the manager who get together beforehand and say here's our best pitching matchups in the bullpen for these parts of their lineups. So he follows a recipe as the game goes on. He doesn't remember. He doesn't have a declared closer. If Correct. he did, if, you know, if he did, then it's one less inning that you're talking about for bullpen management. But even as it is, he manages pockets in the lineup with certain relievers that the entire organization has agreed upon. So a lot of these decisions aren't simply his, they're collaborative decisions. So I don't know that you can uh, pin that all on him. Um, maybe a, 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 over time we can say he should have listened to his gut here more or less, or he should have uh, gone off the script because of what everybody saw here. As far as things like the Sandy Alcantara game on that Sunday afternoon, when it was no no score in the third inning, the first two guys get on, and number nine hitter Miguel Amaya is up. Now, this is before Amaya had really gone into a slump. Five of the the, the five of uh, the first maybe it was the first five balls he had put in play were over 100 miles an hour. Most of those were outs, but but he was hitting the ball hard, and you know hard hard ground ball is an easy double play. We know that, um, but they had him bunt within the top of the order due up. Uh, in my mind. By my way of thinking, it's too early in the game to do that. Sandy Alcantara hasn't been Cy Young worthy 
so far this year, start to start to start. And if you got a chance to get him early, it might be one of those starts for him. And again, you have the top of the order up behind. Worst case scenario in my mind is you get Nico Horner up there with a runner on third, good contact singles hitter type guy. Maybe you get the run in anyway, if you're playing for one run. Instead, they bunted him. The bunt worked. The runners were stranded. They wind up uh, they wind up scoring late in the game and and going to extra innings, and uh, they lost in extra innings. But to to my way of thinking, that's not the time to bunt. Uh, Jed Hoyer, I asked him about that. He said he had no problem with it because he considered it a low run environment. Mm-hmm. But but what he failed to mention was that your starter was your fifth starter that day. Wisniewski, you're not going to win one to nothing on that day. You're not going to win two to nothing or two to one. You need runs. Correct. So so things like that, which is a very little thing. I can see the justification on the one hand. I don't agree with it on the other hand. A couple of things like that and a couple of pinch hit decisions, leaving a certain guy on the bench that I thought, well, why would you bring this guy up instead of that guy up when you need this but and not that? have made me wonder, but I don't know the whole story behind all those things either. So I would say, yes, there've been some things that made me take notice this year that usually don't, but I want to let the season play out before I get into uh, criticizing mode. Yeah. I'm not the guy who's screaming. Uh, you know, I was, I thought very fair with Joe Madden. I would criticize certain decisions and I would be, absolving him of blame on other things. I feel the same way with David. I don't like giving out, giving away an out in the third inning. Sandy Alcantara is a good pitcher, but he's not having like, oh my God, he's Bob Gibson out there. So that bothered me. There was a day where Drew Smiley was struggling early in the season, I think against the Reds. He left him in the ball game. The guy hit a ball nine miles. You end up losing the ball game. There's some of those decisions. I would just like to ask him, is that, Jed, is that Tommy Hadovy? Is that the analytics department? Or was that just your gut? Because there's been some head scratchers for me. You know, uh, we should try to get him on a podcast because this would be a great conversation rather than, I don't think this is a five-minute thing. I think this would be great to get his thoughts on this because I'm sure there there's some deeper thoughts behind this than we're giving it. Um, and, and you brought up Joe Madden. And, and, I'll, and I'll say this, you know, people have, you remember some of the pitching decisions in the World Series. This guy won the World Series and right. got criticized. He said to me when we did the podcast, he goes, I won the damn World Series and you didn't get off my ass. Right, right. Yeah. And, we, and we know why. But even if, even if the critics are right, the thing about him, which I think is, not exactly the same as Rossi, but but they they do have some similar traits this way. Uh, L- Lawrence Holmes likes to use uh, like the, the term superpower. It was so it was it was Joe Madden's superpower how he managed some of those young players and made them believe before maybe they had a right to believe in themselves that they could do whatever it was they did at this level. And and so his ability to bring out things in people because of those skills, those sort of intangible skills, I think are tangible actually, but, but th- those uh, can't teach them type skills. Rossi has a little bit of that in her, his personality. I think players play for him. And, and so it's different, they totally different personalities, but they do bring something different. That's, that's a plus, even if we can pick and find things that are minuses in some of the, the game management. 
Well, again, they get two more bites at the Houston Astros. The schedule does not lighten up here for a while. This is a look, you oh, can no. lose to any pitcher on any given day. I get it. This schedule with Mets and all these other teams, it's a tough chore here right now. And they're three games under 500 all of a sudden. Yeah, d- dude, they're they're 500 at home. So they've had some of their some some of their own problems at home too, here and there. But they were one and six on the last road trip. What are they now? One and three on this one with and they've five. struck out 51 times on this four-game trip. At 14 in the one game in Minnesota. 17 and, and yesterday. So, so, so there you go. And and this this is what happens when you have a when you have very little depth in your lineup, and some of your most important guys are missing. And certainly, Nico Horner's right at or near the top of that list, right? And and so that, that's what happens. And and again, you go to Houston can pitch. And and Philly can just clobber you, and they've got some good pitchers too. And they got Ranger Suarez back. I don't know if he pitches in that series or not, but that could that could give uh, some of their guys some trouble too, along along with Aaron Nola and, and Zach Wheeler. And then they come home against the Mets, who have gotten a little bit healthier. So uh, my goodness, you know, w- last week when when you were off. Uh, gallivanting in Europe or wherever the hell you were. Mona Lisa. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, so the uh, I was doing the, the recaps, and there was – God, who was – oh, the Cardinals came in. The Cardinals were terrible all friggin' year. They hadn't won a series since early in April. They hadn't won back-to-back games since then. So what do they do when they come in? They immediately win a series opener for the first time all year. And win their first series in a month, and then and they've won. And they're like uh, five, six, and one, I think. Since since then, it's like the same thing the Dodgers did. Dodgers came in April twenty something, won three out of four, and then the Dodgers went on a tear, like a seventeen five tear, and got back into first place. I called the Cubs Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman because they make everybody well. People come to them and get well. Look what Jose Abreu did last night. He hadn't had a two-hit game since April 19th. He got two hits and only his fourth extra base hit since then. I think it's even money that he gets a home run the next two games, which would be his first as an Astro. That's what the Cubs are doing for people right now. And they've done it at home too often. Man, uh, they got to get some things figured out. Hmm. Maybe you ought to get your little sports book app on your phone and bet Jose Abreu. Yeah, that's your thing, right? You got one of those apps. I got these apps. Yeah, I'm going to tell you exactly what Jose Abreu's odds are to hit a home run tonight in the Chicago Cubs game before we wrap up this podcast. He's he's facing the lefty, but it's Justin Steele. It is. Uh, Jose Abreu to hit a home run tonight is 6-1 to on your money. Hmm. Six to one. You know Never what? I, I, I would take that because he's eventually going to face somebody at least once in that bullpen. How about what do you think Justin Steele's strikeout number is tonight? Against that Astros team, I would suggest, you know, they probably figure he's going to go six to seven innings. I'd say seven strikeouts. Four and a half. Four and a half. Wow. 
I would think yeah. he goes over that number. Probably, but that's one of those contact lineups. They, they in the recent years they don't strike out a lot. Now they don't have Altuve in there, and um, you might find some more strikeouts in there. But yeah, that's probably about accurate. He might he might, he might still pitch really well and strike out four. This is true. Last night, you know, I thought you would get more strikeouts out of Jamison Tyone. He had a bad luck in the first inning and didn't give up another run in the time that he was in there. And yet he only struck out one guy. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. The Astros will do that to a pitcher. Uh, Justin Steele's projected number, courtesy of Roto Wire, before I let you go. Justin Steele is projected to strike out. 4.7 tonight. Does it say how many innings he'll pitch? Uh, it, uh, Yeah, it actually does. Justin Steele projected innings is five and a third. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. So, there you I go. They, they got him laboring. We'll see. Gordon, have a great rest of your day. We'll talk again next week. And who knows? Maybe they get a surprise pod because they traded for Shohei Otani. <laughs> yeah, you keep you keep up on that one, Cap. You just keep going on that. I will. You, you and your damn Mona Lisa and Shohei Otani. Mona Lisa's overrated. Have a great day, man. All right, you too. All right, we'll talk to you. There he is. That's my guy, my partner, Gordon Wittenmeyer, here on our Cubs Recap Podcast. Available audio only wherever you get your podcasts and video and audio right here on our YouTube recap channel have a great rest of your day don't forget recap rush hour monday through friday late afternoon with the day in sports recaps after every cubs Sox, bulls bears game have a great day take that